This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew and I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. And we're continuing our Pillars of Fantasy discussion. Um, If you didn't catch it, you can go back, check out some of the last few episodes and catch our Pillars of Sci-Fi discussion. And we just started the Pillars of Fantasy. We did the literature category, and now we're moving on to television, Mm. which has turned out to... I think, I want to know how y'all feel about this. I think this was the hardest category we've done yet. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. And I've, and I've actually come to a lot of realizations. I'm actually, I've got two or three articles that I'm kind of starting to try to flesh out for the website. So keep an eye out for those. But as I've realized that even though fantasy is much older as a construct, a storytelling construct, There seems to be, and I think I've kind of, I've always kind of known this, but I think I've finally kind of put my finger on some of the things that, realizing that fantasy storytelling has remained for children, primarily for children, for most of its most of its history, especially as it's a modern genre, history, es- yeah. especially as a genre proper. Well, I mean, even going back to the 1400s, it's fairy tales and and some folklore, but still mostly geared towards young readers. Uh, yeah, ever since it's been written down. Right. Yeah. I think that doing this has helped me really hone in on the differences between fantasy and science fiction and, the, and really... discovering that the only real difference is that in one, the things that are going on are predominantly explained by science, and in the other, predominantly by some mysterious force or magic. Mm -hmm. You can tell the exact same story, and if it's like aliens, then it's sci-fi. Right. But you can tell a lot of stories, and I and I think one of David's favorite video games is a good example of this. is is uh, is Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect began its life as a Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. It yeah. began its life as a fantasy game. They switched it over, explained the Force with with science. You know the the, mm-hmm. the different things that would have been the Force, altered them a little bit, explained it with science, and created a whole different thing. But started with the same foundation. And yeah, but the, the thing that has surprised me is that science fiction also started out as predominantly for kids, but in, in, but it moved to for adults also way faster than fantasy did. That was initially surprising to me until I kind of like worked out some things, but TV seems to I don't know about y'all's list, but a lot of the things that I pulled that were influential fantasy TV series, they're animated. They're, they're explicitly mm-hmm. made for kids. And I have a couple of those, yeah. 
<clears throat> and so you're you're making fantasy for kids, and because of that, like I don't feel like the in the the heydays, the heydays of science fiction, the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Even though we got some great science fiction after the the core of science fiction TV mm-hmm. and movies all came out of the and some of the best literature all came out of the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Well, a lot of the best fantasy literature comes out of the fifties as well. But you got tons of science fiction TV. Mm-hmm. And very little fantasy, almost no high fantasy TV. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so it's kind of just an interesting thing when you look at it. And and what I think I've realized is that while science fiction, even though we're getting great science fiction now, and maybe kind of in the beginning of a new golden age of science fiction, we're really in the first golden age now for fantasy mm-hmm. storytelling on TV. Yeah. That's that's true. Ushered in by, well, I mean, <laughs> Game of Thrones has played a big role, um, but I mean, there there are other things that, at least to some extent, I mean, you can you can kind of throw The Walking Dead in the into the fantasy category. Yeah. And but as far as high fantasy on TV, after Game of Thrones, there was like a huge rush for everybody to kind of like, oh, wait a minute, high fantasy can make money yeah. on TV, not just on movies. Right. Then so there, then now there's this huge rush of everybody trying to adapt every fantasy uh, work mm-hmm. of literature ever. Yeah, and that's the thing because like before Game of Thrones, what would happen is they'd make a a fantasy show and it would last like a season. Hmm. Because it didn't make enough money to get enough views, or it'd be like the show Merlin, where like, oh, it had four seasons, but like with ten episodes, and like, right. wasn't really that big of a deal, and probably would have gone for more if it wasn't, if it was actually successful. Um, and you're right, like The Walking Dead, you could consider kind of fantasy. To me, Walking Dead's very sci-fi because it's all explained with science. But I see where you're getting at, where it's like this, these sort of like more unrealistic elements you know what i mean like i think yeah a lot of the most popular tv shows ever are firmly set in the real world mm-hmm. with very real characters and very real things right like breaking bad mad men the sopranos all these big tv mm-hmm. shows that are often considered the best tv shows ever they're all real world things mm-hmm. it's it's very rare that you get even like science fiction big TV shows like that. Well, I mean, we discussed that before. There are plenty of science fiction TV shows, but you're right. Like before things like Walking Dead and um, Game of Thrones, TV strayed away from fantasy. I guess it's maybe because it's really expensive to produce sometimes. I I mean, I think it's a lot more expensive than real world. You know, you have to, if you have fantastical creatures, you have to either, you know, get a prop shop to build them, you know, a la Jim Henson, or you have to do them digitally. Um, or you just have to put people in costumes and just suspend reality and be like, yes, that's Robin Williams dressed as a frog. Just move on. Right. But I mean, that's that's one aspect of fantasy. I mean, you can still do, I mean, things like, and I guess they had some of that, but their budgets weren't big. The you know Hercules, the Legendary Journeys, um, right? But that was do, kind of 
expected to be. I mean, it was it was kind of B entertainment, right? It was kind of supposed to be a little cheesy. Right. It's a little camp. It's a little camp. Unlike, you know, Game of Thrones, for example, and this new crop that we're seeing of fantasy where it's like, it looks real. Right. You know, that's a completely different animal. And I, and I do think, but I think you have some of the same challenges with science fiction, with putting it on screen. Yeah. And making it believable. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said, the two are not very different. Right. Yeah, that's true. It, it's really, and, and what I also discovered is that a lot of the TV that's out there, other than animated stuff, a lot of it is what we would call low fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically of the brand where you might have someone or something where everything's normal with our world. But, like, there's this fantastical element that if any of our characters ever, like, saw what it really was, it would shock them. Right. Right. The X-Files is kind of like that. The Mm X-Files certainly kind of plays some of those fantasy elements. So does um, uh, the Twilight Zone. Yeah. You know, we kind of talked about that a little bit, but... The Twilight Zone deals heavily in the in the fantastical mm-hmm. things that are never explained to us. Right. It's just the, it's always it's, a question. Is it kind of gets like sci-fi is where people just assume it falls, but it's a little bit fantasy, a little bit horror, a little bit sci-fi. It's just depending on the day. Right. It's a and it's sometimes a, just straight out social commentary. Mm-hmm. Like the one-armed bandit. I'm sorry. That's like my least favorite episode of television <laughs> I've ever seen. Marisha's trying to see how many episodes of the show she can mention the one-armed bandit. I in. really, really hate that I episode. just like, I don't want this to be like our pineapple. Like, <laughs> like, I don't want somewhere in every episode like Marisha squeezing in the one-armed bandit. Like me squeezing in Big Brother. Yes, exactly. Right. It's like some of the episodes you have to play it backwards, but if you play it backwards, you can hear Marisha saying, <laughs> What are <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, like Beatles Beatles albums, huh? Yeah. You gotta play it backwards so you can you can fully appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I you know, whenever we go to do these lists, I do try to think of them off the top of my head. And, and most of the stuff that I originally get down is like stuff that I know already. But I mm-hmm. do research to see where other people's heads are at, see what I didn't think of. And it mm-hmm. really comes in handy. And on all of these lists, what kept showing up for me were The Twilight Zone and Stranger Things. Yeah. Which to me are both largely sci-fi, especially Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um it was very sci-fi. I mean, there's some fantasy. I, I'm sorry for my dog barking. If you can hear that, there's um there's some fantasy elements to it, sure, but it's all explained by the science. Ex- exactly, <laughs> and I and I think because I think when you don't at the point where you're watching and you don't maybe the first season when you're watching it and you don't really know what's actually happening, that it appears mm-hmm. to be fantasy, and it does get into. I mean, they're doing a lot of the Lovecraftian type mm-hmm. monsters. So they're they're borrowing heavily from fantasy, from existing fantasy genre. They're doing they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So much of it's centered around around D and D and and Lovecraft. I mean, they're even things. calling them the Demogorgons. You know, they're even giving them names from Dungeons right. and Dragons. Right. So, but like David's saying, yes. Like, but once you get far enough into it to realize that someone through science has mm-hmm. created this. 
rift. Or, or, or opened this rift between worlds. Mm-hmm. And suddenly science is thrown to the forefront. And it's it, and when science is pushed to the front, that's the dividing line between fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. You can have fantasy with now scientific I be elements. If somebody said, Right, yeah, and I wouldn't be offended if somebody said Stranger Things is a fantasy show. Like, no, it, it you, certainly I, has I those elements. See the case being made. Um, it's just that kind of as I've what? as I've really, really kind of read, and I, and I'm I'm saying all this, and Stranger Things is written down here on my list, but one of the things as I've really dug in and found myself going down these rabbit holes and spending hours in here reading about just the genres, like not looking at specific things, but just reading about the genres, the history of the genres and realizing that a fantasy story can have scientific elements, Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But it's when you, it's when science takes the front, Mm -hmm. when, when science becomes the, the driving force. Whenever there's a lab and people in white coats are the antagonists, (laughs) I, I cease to think yeah. of it as fantasy. Right. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, there are still lots of fantasy elements in Stranger Things, and it certainly pays homage to a lot of fantasy storytelling tropes. Mm-hmm. So, in some ways, maybe it's one that kind of blurs the line. I mean, you could make the argument that, yes, the science fiction elements open the rift between the worlds, but the two different coexisting worlds is really a fantasy plot device. Yeah, because yeah, it's That's a not. Good point. It's not like your typical science fiction. Because they didn't fantasy. create this other world; they just like opened a doorway. Right. I mean, but, but you see that plot device in science fiction a lot: parallel dimensions, parallel mm-hmm. universes. But it's it's a weird kind of it's it's not like. You know, a parallel universe where, you know, we never discovered nuclear fusion. It's a parallel universe where there are monsters, and but there's still that mm-hmm. video store. So it's, 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 it is, I, I could definitely kind of see it coming from both ways. But like I said, whenever you start seeing people in lab coats, you know, and, and government conspiracies, it's really hard for me to, to think fantasy when I see right. it. And I think the reason it's so difficult to nail Stranger Things down is because in so many ways, it is an homage to all these other things. Yeah. It's an homage it's good to... Thing. Do what? I just think it's a very good thing. I yeah. Like oh, that yeah. About it yeah, lot. no, that's actually... I mean, I think that's why it's been so successful is because yeah. it's paid homage to some of the great science fiction and fantasy stories out there as well as just kind of your goonies-esque adventure or your your yeah you know. your your 80s style action adventure mm-hmm. which is you know really kind of yeah. a play on pulp adventure stories and uh so yeah it, it kind of borrows from some of the best things out there mm-hmm. and and they created something really wonderful with it um yeah. but let's uh let's kind of dive into the list and and i i really like this list for me, I don't know about y'all, but it mine are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, David, I, I'll let you kick this off. What have you got on your list? Well, I'll go ahead and get this one out the way because I think we'll all agree that this is definitely the really one standout fantasy show 
that has ever been produced, and that's Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. based on the Song of Ice and Fire series um, by George R. R. Martin. This show took the world by storm. It is probably the most influential TV show of all time at this point. Mm-hmm. The way that it has blurred the lines between television and film, mm-hmm. especially like those last few seasons with that huge budget and the dragons and the sci-fi. I mean, it was... Yep. Other than the last, I mean, like, I hate the last season, but I can't argue that the quality of, like, the visuals and the, besides the Starbucks cups and water bottles up on set, uh, <laughs> was just out of this world. I mean, it yeah. was, uh, I think um, the Battle of Winterfell was the most expensive battle ever produced, mm-hmm. or, like, it was, like, second to the Battle of, of in, um, in the Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helm's Deep. Deep. The Battle of Helm's Deep, yeah. yeah. So... But yeah, Game of Thrones um, is a fantastic show for the most part. I hate the last season, but okay, it's a fantastic show. Um, wonderful fantasy elements, high fantasy elements, but also being like really serious and political and um, very uh, sophisticated and adult. Like we were talking about like a lot of fantasies made for kids. This is very much made for adults. Yes. Um, um, it's one of the best shows, one of my favorite shows of all time. And because of this show, we're probably going to see within the next like five to 10 years, way more high fantasy, fantasy shows. We're Absolutely. That. Yep. Um, the Witcher exists. The Witcher show on Netflix exists because of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. So it's hugely influential. It's the one fantasy show that has really broken through and reached such a huge audience of like just the general public and is really the only high fantasy show that I have on my list that even like exist mm-hmm. yeah. high quality, high fantasy show. I'll say, right. Yeah, th- there are a few other high fantasy shows out there, but with very mixed success, like you said, that lasted one or two seasons. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think you're right. I think whenever you think, Fantasy television, I mean, Game of Thrones is, I feel like Game of Thrones did for television what Lord of the Rings did for fantasy movies. All of a sudden, mm. it was like, there's real money to be made here. It, it would finally, they could finally do justice to the source material, which is why the Tolkien estate had never allowed um, Lord of the Rings to be adapted uh, live action previously because they didn't want stupid looking Lord of the Rings out there. They, yeah. whenever they did it, they wanted it to look to be convincing as real. And it did. And, and it changed, it completely changed um, film, you know, in the same way that all of a sudden Star Wars all of a sudden, then it was like sci-fi just exploded. Um, and I think that it's proving that Game of Thrones has done that for... I mean, Game of Thrones, not only did it all of a sudden make fantasy a relevant genre to tell on television, it completely changed the the attitude towards, like you said, kind of blurring that line between television and movies all of a sudden people are throwing movie budgets at television shows and it shows Mm -hmm. 
does it ever show, like I said, speaking of not for the children, we just finished watching um, A Brave New World. And like the amount of money that they threw at that show is ludicrous. It had to have been. But it is, I mean, I feel like you can't really even compare a lot of TV shows, especially like short run TV shows. Um, in a post Game of Thrones world to anything that went before, it's like comparing movies and TV shows before. Mm-hmm. You're right. It, it's premium. The pre- advent of premium TV has really changed the game and really created a third category. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you see these things going up against regular TV uh, for award show, you know, for awards. Yeah. It's, it's like, like oh, that's really not even fair to. It's like when are you going to create? Like at some point, you have to like. Especially since now more and more companies, everybody's jumping into the pre- premium TV game now. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I do think you will see that evolve into a third award grouping. Category, yeah. Um, and I'll be, I'll be curious to see what they call it. Because I'd I'm imagine it won't be premium TV. <laughs> no, but, but I'm, I'm looking, I'm wondering who or what they'll name the awards for. Because you almost... The Benioff and Weiss Awards? <laughs> I mean, I, you say that kind of jokingly, but, but... seriously. They weren't really... I mean, there were some some other premium shows out there before, but not like that. Not like that? And honestly, I think even Stranger Things... We talked a little bit about Stranger Things. I think even Stranger Things kind of, in some ways, rides the success of Game of Thrones. Because it's like this... Big story. Well, you know, I, as opposed to like, we're going to tell, you yeah. know, this week's episode of it's different. Right. Well, you know, it's one of it's one of these things where you're talking Game of Thrones. I mean, it just ended, what, like a year ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many seasons did it run, David? Eight. Right. Uh, eight. eight seasons. So you're talking about something really, really recent. And we're talking about the pillars, the things that built fantasy to what it is now. But when you talk the TV genre, even though it just ended last year, it's already influencing the way that TV shows are made. Mm -hmm. And you don't get Brave New World if there wasn't a Game of Thrones. You don't have Amazon running out and buying the rights to the Lord of the Rings. You don't have Foundation. Right. Which even though that's sci-fi, you still don't get that. Yeah. Um, So, so... Yes, I mean, even though it's new, it is already, and that says a lot, mm-hmm. that within years, it's changing the face of, of TV making. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely... If nothing else makes this list, it's got to be that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing about Game of Thrones and the reason it's on my list and it's important, when I look at my list, Game of Thrones is probably like just the best TV show. Mm-hmm out of all of them like the best story characters acting world i love it um it's just a it's just a really great show it's incredible Mm -hmm. and and that's why and and it probably got so many people into fantasy ideas Mm -hmm. and wanting to see more of that yeah yeah well and it 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 did fantasy and said look it doesn't have to be just for kids yeah it took books yeah. a long time to do that. And even though there were TV shows that were more or less for adults before, this was the first one that really took it and said, look, you can Your do... Your kids can't watch this. Yeah, you can do grown-up fantasy. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's, and it also hit at a time where the adult generation was accepting of it. Well, I mean, the thing is, people our age, we saw Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, not to heart back on the same thing, but it all ties together. We saw Lord of the Rings in the theaters whenever we were either in our early 20s or young adults. Andrew and I, not you. You were, like, not born, but, you know, because <laughs> David's our baby. But for people who, you know, who are, who are adults whenever Game of Thrones came out, we were the people who were watching Lord of the Rings in the theaters whenever we were david's age it was formative for like this is what entertainment is and so now it's like it grew up Mm -hmm. it's like in this you know now that that's what we were ready for as adults now that's when game of thrones managed to hit at that exact moment whenever all those people who discovered fantasy 20 years ago were ready Mm -hmm. to really see an adult version of it yeah yeah and what's funny now is that me as like a, I don't know, I was probably like, I think I was 16 when I started um, watching Game of Thrones. I discovered it like when it first came out when I was 12. My dad had the sense to not let me watch that show. <laughs> when no. I was 13, he let me read the books. He was like, I'll let you read the books, um, which are just as graphic, if not more so. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, Marisha's uh, over here he, going. What? <laughs> Had he read the books when he yeah. decided that was a good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do not understand most of uh, the words. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. Um, right. It's yeah. When I started watching it, I was like sixteen, and so it's it's sort of it's sort of is hitting that same mark of whenever y'all were, you know, right. young adults seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time. I was a young adult seeing Game of Thrones for the first time, mm-hmm. and that has now influenced how I view fantasy and television and entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's a benchmark that I'm gonna hold it to to everything to in the same way that Lord of the Rings kind of influenced y'all. I think, yeah, yeah, and probably my whole generation of people are like game, everybody I know watches Game of Thrones. All right. Well, that's uh, I, I, I we kind of spent a long time on Game of Thrones, but I really think that that was one that warranted. Yeah, Dash absolutely. A lot of these others probably aren't going to warrant the uh, quite so much the extended conversation. conversation. But Marisha, I'm curious to see what your first. Okay, is. so um, I, David, you've probably never even heard of this. I don't even know if Andrew's uh-huh. heard of this because I think it was a thing that mostly little girls watched. But in the '80s, fairy tale theater, and basically it was uh-huh. like this is an excuse for famous actors to show up in fairy tales. Uh, most famously, Robin Williams as the frog in The Frog Prince. Okay, so that's what you were talking about earlier. That's what I was talking about, yeah. Watching it now as an adult, it's like, that is weird. It is so weird. But in the same <laughs> way that, you know, like, you go to a theater, right? And you obviously don't have CGI for your talking frog. You just have somebody in a green costume. So it, it's very much that kind of tradition where... You know, you kind of suspend reality. It's um, very, very stage kind of feeling. But yeah, that that's my first selection because it was really one of the first times that fairy tales were sort of, and, it, and the show ran for five seasons. So it was pretty successful. Like I said, um, they, I'm pretty sure that Oh, what's his name? The gray-headed guy. He's been gray-headed since he was like 20. 
Steve Martin? Steve Martin, yeah. I'm pretty sure Steve Martin was in an episode, you know, so people like that kind of showed up in this show. But that's my first selection is fairytale theater. So, okay. Yeah, it's not one I, I am familiar with it, and I have seen the Robin Williams episode. We used to because watch. Because there's very little Robin Williams anything that I haven't watched. Right. Uh, we used to watch, we would rent the VHS tapes from the library when I was a kid. Okay. That's how. Uh, that's how I, I, I found it. I imagine a lot of other people did, too. It was the sort of thing that libraries thought was constructive things for children to, to watch. All right. So <laughs> my first entry on the list is going to be Bewitched. Bewitched, huh? David, have you ever watched Bewitched? I have not watched Bewitched. Are but you I from... did read about it doing research. For <laughs> You've never seen... Okay, so it's like... I love Lucy if Lucy ha- is a witch, basically. Kind of. Yeah. You know, she's she, like, she's yeah. not quite. It's a little less comedic. It's a little less comedic, but she kind of manages More to. read. Okay. But she kind of manages to land herself in situations in right. much the same way that, that Lucy does. You know, yeah, I mean, And her husband comes home from work and is like, Lucy. oh, come on now. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I know what I love you. <laughs> All right. I really did think I you. Would, I really did think you were pulling my leg. You thought you get. A, you did. Congratulations. You got a reaction out of me. <laughs> uh, but no, that's why I said Lucy because you know it's it's a pretty pretty common mm-hmm. cultural touchstone. Everybody Even my kids that. know who Lucy is. Um, right. But bewitched. You know, it's kind of that quintessential low fantasy story Mm -hmm. that I was talking about where, you know, your, your main character is, is a witch, but she can't let anybody know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of turns out that part of the story, part of what they were really telling a story of was like not being able to be yourself and having to hide who you really are. But in the, in the story, they, you know, it's this element of magic that's thrown into everyday life, mm-hmm. and it's hidden from everybody. But when it when it comes out, when it's seen, when real people see it, it's always shocking. It's not supposed to be there, mm-hmm. and so it's a simple fantasy element. Mm-hmm. But I would say has probably had a strong influence on things like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm-hmm. um, and and. Charmed, which is all the little witches shows in the 90s. And a lot of the things that probably honestly led up to Harry Potter. I think so, yeah. Not that this, this, this might have been one of the original things. It's not like Harry Potter's directly. It's not a ripoff, but it's definitely similar. Th- it's kind of, if you carry Bewitched to its logical conclusion, if there's, you know, one of these people and her mother's this way, and her daughter's this way, well, then who else is this way? And what if they had their own culture? And then you blink, right. and then you've got Harry Potter. Um, and, and so you've got this show, simple fantasy elements, but um, back in 2002, TV Guide named it the, one of the 50 greatest TV shows ever made. Hmm. Uh, the same publication at some point in time had named one of their episodes one of the hundred greatest TV episodes ever made. Hmm. So you're really talking about, even though the fantasy elements are simple, 
you're talking about a very successful fantasy television show that was watched by people of all ages. Yep. And it definitely spawned a lot of, you know, because we were talking earlier, Andrew and I were talking about um, I Dream of Genie, which was created to compete with compete with Bewitched. Um, you know, and, and not to mention things like Sabrina the Teenage Witch coming on later, which which are all like direct ripoffs of this this plot. Sounds very influential to a, a personal favorite of mine, Wizards of Waverly Place. Ah, yes. Uh, quick shout out to that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, but that sounds that sounds like a worthy inclusion. All right, David, what have you got next? My next one is Supernatural. The CW show that has gone on for like freaking ever 18 seasons or some crap. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's actually like 16. I think it's still going actually. Yep. It, it, it started in 2005. I know. Huge show. Um, uh-huh. Still going for a long time. I haven't seen all of it. I've seen enough of it to speak about it confidently and say that this is a pretty good fantasy show. Uh-huh. Um, it's a course it's about two brothers going across the country. It's very X-Files-ish. Mm-hmm. And they're going across the country uh, solving different like fantasy-related things, demons, witches, monsters, stuff like that. It's it, I, I describe it as X-Files if, X, if it was about strictly fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was about witches instead very, of aliens. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's been very influential. It's been very popular. A lot of people I know watch this show. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are really into it. I can, I personally know people who watched this show and then started reading more fantasy because they, they really like this show a lot. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that it's been around since 2005 and it's still going strong. It has such a huge fan base. It really does. And it's one of those, it's, it's, it's one of the few fantasy TV shows that regularly like has heavy fantasy it's like very low fantasy like you were saying but has like fantasy themes demons monsters witches magic stuff like that and is very popular and that's why i think it it belongs on the list just because of how popular it is and Mm -hmm. how it features those things and actually i think it's pretty good um i'm not the biggest you know i i like that i've seen all the cw superhero shows but there is sort of the cw format to, to their shows and supernatural does fall into that trap sometimes i'm not the biggest fan of that but i think it's a pretty good show yeah. with fair effects and it doesn't stray away from its crazier weirder supernatural things mm-hmm. um and i think it's i think it's pretty good show well there, there's something to be said for any show that has run 320 episodes yeah really yeah. Uh, any show that can exactly. do that in this era of of TV is doing something right. Exactly. Yeah, and just the huge fan base that it has is enough for it to be on this list of being super influential. And, and I'm sure we'll see once the show is... Like, I'm sure in the years to come, after the show's over and it's gone from a little bit, we're going to see other shows that are going to come up that are going to try to follow that supernatural... Mm-hmm. Um, format. They, they want to be the next supernatural. Well, Constantine kind of did, didn't they? Without as much success. Constantine did try. That poor show uh, lasted. I don't even think it got like a full season of episodes. Um, 
but yeah, Constantine is kind of, that's a great example. I was thinking about Constantine earlier. Um, it did kind of try to follow that and I'm sure many, many more shows will mm-hmm. come in and, yeah. and the, the rugged charismatic guy who's going to go across the country to checking out different supernatural things. Right. Well, I mean, you've seen a lot of What's shows that have tried to, pictures. that have tried to mimic this. I mean, Grimm. Yeah. Tried to pull this exact yeah. same thing off, just in a different time period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it has certainly influenced the genre, and I guess what you would call dark horror or dark uh, fantasy. Oh, I mean, sorry, dark fantasy, mm-hmm. um, supernatural fiction. Yeah. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a great entry, um, Marisha. What do you have next? Okay, so I may. I may get a little bit of pushback on this one, but um, we've been talking. Well, okay, so y'all, I'll, I'll give y'all the right to veto this one if you can give me a good enough reason. How about that? Um, but I was kind of thinking because we were talking about um, some superhero stories kind of having really supernatural um, or magical kind of elements. And I think the most, one of the most standout in that category is Wonder Woman. And so consequently, I think that one of your really early shows, I mean, Diana Themyscira is the daughter of a god. How much more fantasy can you get than that? Um, mm-hmm. Now it obviously falls in a really modern setting and it's obviously Wonder Woman. So it's, 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 it's a little different than most fantasy, but um, it's such, it's been so influential um, on, on, again, it's been influential not just as one of the first examples of a, um, an early example, not say one of the first examples, but an early example of a really successful superhero TV show mm-hmm. and one of the few examples of a really successful fantasy show. Um, up up to that point. And also one of uh, a really early example of a really um, feminist kind of agenda on television that actually got some traction, you know, that that's been done a lot of different times without much success, because turns out people don't like their entertainment to preach at them. But this one was entertaining enough that people were willing to buy it. So <laughs> No, I, I won't push back on that one at all. I mean, I, I considered it. Um, it it's, uh, it's a good one. I mean, you're talking about one of your more high-profile fantasy-based superheroes. You're talking about a successful show that was successful for a number of reasons, but really is one of the, like you said, one of the first solid examples of successfully doing superheroes on TV. Um, so yeah, I have no issue with Wonder Woman on the list. No, I like that entry. I, I I thought about what's like superheroes, but I couldn't think of a show to put on the list. I, Wonder Woman didn't cross my mind, but yeah, I think that's a great entry. I, I totally agree. My next one, I've got several things and I'm sort of still wrestling with some of them here, but I think I'm going to go ahead and put Hercules, the legendary journeys on the list. <laughs> Again, how much more fantasy can you get than being it a demigod? <laughs> the quintessential yeah. sword and sandal fantasy. It, it mm-hmm. takes elements. Of course, you're doing 
uh, Hercules. So you're doing a character from mythology, but your mm-hmm. your drawings from the same elements that um, mm-hmm. you're you're doing all of these wonderful, fantastical creatures. They did a really great job with for the time. All these great side characters, all these people involved. Ted Raimi, uh, Bruce Campbell, you know, people like that involved with it. It of course spawned. Xena Warrior Princess. They they ran simultaneously and crossed over all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, you might so even you, kind of so you almost lump them just together. have to lump them together as one thing because mm-hmm. they they really are in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, yeah, because you never I've knew heard which. A lot uh, more about Xena Warrior Princess. It almost seems to me that Xena Warrior Princess is even more popular. Um, maybe, maybe. but still, if, even if it is, it, it still came from the Hercules, Hercules show. Yeah. Is that Lucy um, Lawless? I. What were you saying, David? I'm sorry. Um, awesome, because I, I, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a sword and sandals show definitely belongs on the list somewhere, and I think that's a great entry. I, I support it. That brings us back around to you, David. Yay. So, <laughs> um, I'm surprised one of you guys have not mentioned this yet. Cause I figured you're probably bigger fans of it than I am, but I'm going to go with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Aha, uh-huh. it's As on the list. My next thing. Um, I, I this is kind of in the same uh, vein as a supernatural kind of show. I kind of mm-hmm. get the yeah. same vibes from them both. It's like the um, proto so supernatural. Like yeah, exactly. It's like a proto. I mean, I like this. Sh- I like this show better than I like Supernatural, though. But um, mm-hmm. this was probably a better. You know, show. almost in a way, if we if we ran out of space, which I don't think we're going to do on this list, but if we ran out of space, I'd happily take one of them off because it kind of feels the same genre. But mm-hmm. um, at least when just going through shows that I know uh, that are fantasy, because I had to do a lot of research for it because there really aren't that many standout fantasy shows. Right. Uh, this was the one that actually just instantly came to my head. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Joss Whedon. Um, right. One of his more popular shows has a huge fan base, just like Supernatural, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. Huge fan base spawned uh, another show, Angel, mm-hmm. um, right. which I don't think is nearly as uh, well received as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but um, it has its fans. Itself. Still has a very rabid yeah, fan base. The... Really? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I don't really know. I don't think I ever saw Angel, um, but um, yeah. Um, Teenage girl fighting vampires. Uh, pretty simple, low fantasy concept, but one that I think created a really entertaining uh, show full of fantasy elements. And just like I would say with Supernatural, a show that has that big of a fan base um, that is also very fantasy-based just allows it to be on this list. Yeah. Um just because of how much people love this show. And I think it's a great show. I yeah. love the show. Um, there's a lot of, I, I like it when it delves into like deeper fantasy concepts, but also it does a great job staying in the real world. And that creates a really interesting show that almost, it's almost like it's grounded while being really fantastical. And of course, you know, deals with vampires. Yeah. Uh, so almost in that horror fantasy mm-hmm. element. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I said, I figured y'all would have picked that. I figured y'all yeah, we, bigger fans. We both we both had that on our list, um, you know. And it okay, started okay. off. It was a movie first, different really? with different. Yep, um, it was a movie I didn't know that. that became a TV show. Um, 
but it's really like it took Hillary off. Swank was um, in it. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Uh, Christy Swanson, uh, Donald Sutherland um, were kind of some of the leads in it. And, and it was... Jeez, I thought Donald Sutherland had been 80 forever. I guess he wasn't. <laughs> right, but this was back in 1992, yeah. written by Joss Whedon. Hmm. Um, but, it, it, but its popularity stems from the TV show. Mm-hmm. So this is the list it belongs on. So yeah, it's definitely. A, um, definite, uh, definitely a good entry on the list. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Um, if Game of Thrones is the obvious selection in the live action category, I think that one of the selections that just has to go on the list in the animated category is The Last Airbender. Um, you know, I mean, just the pop, I mean, this show was so popular, um, when it was made and has continued to have a ridiculously, again, a ridiculously rabid fan base. Um, the number of adults who are really invested in the, the character arcs of these cartoon characters is unexpected. Um, and I think it speaks well to the fact that it continues to attract not just young fans, but as all be- the best entertainment does, I think, um, all, all the best children's entertainment, it manages to entertain the children and also have enough to say that adults are actually interested in it as well. Not just adults, you know, who watch it as kids. You know, some things people love because they saw it as children and it, they're, the child in them is still interested. But this one seems that a lot of people find it as adults and are still um, invested in it. So I think that The Last Airbender is just, I mean, so... It's just been such a a pillar of conversations about animation and storytelling and the way to do th- the right way and the wrong way to adapt a um, story into a movie, uh, for example. Um, but it's just it's mm-hmm. one that has continued to really hold its own. You know uh, what the, la- the when did it even start? I don't think I wrote that down. Oh, 2005. So, you know, it's it's 20 years old now, almost. Um, 15 years old now. And it still has held up really well. So, there we go. That's my, my next contribution. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. That was also on, on my list. For the, mm-hmm. same, for the exact same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Often considered not just one of the best animated shows ever, which it probably is the best animated show I mean, show it, ever, it's widely considered to be the, the best, best animated. Shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's widely considered by a lot of people to be the best animated series ever made. And not to mention it has the distinction of being yeah. how Lucasfilm found Dave Filoni. <laughs> was directing episodes of Last Airbender. Great. Thank God for Dave Filoni. Yeah, like hashtag give Lucasfilm to Dave Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, just kidding, but seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, babe, what you got? Uh, I definitely agree. All right, so I'm starting to run out of stuff. 
Uh, other people are taking your selections. Yeah. Well, the one I'm actually going to pull right now is Land of the Lost. Because, and I'm going to pull Never that heard one. of Land of the Lost. I'm going to pull Land of the Lost because we don't have anything else that fits in the Lost World genre. Mm -hmm. It's a Lost World or a an alternate universe where they were able to pass from our world into this other other realm mm -hmm. uh, where dinosaurs still exist. It, it's a family. It was a kid's show, mm -hmm. uh, but they um, are trapped in this alternate universe that's with, with dinosaurs and primate-like humanoids and um, uh, these lizard creatures that are kind of the, the play the role of the, the villain. It's a little bit cheesy a little bit campy but it fits a a segment of the genre that we haven't really explored yet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where we've passed from earth we've passed from our realm into this other mm -hmm. you know this other place this other world and um uh, so for that reason along i think uh land of the lost belongs on the list there we go and it, it was it was a short lived. I mean, it, it's a lot shorter lived than some of these other things that we've talked about. But I, I do think that it played an important role in in developing that type of mythology. I mean, we see a lot of that stuff now passing yeah. between dimensions to other worlds and mm -hmm. sliders uh, and and sliders even did episodes that were basically this. Yeah, sli oh, now cool. sliders is one. Where do you put that? Do you put that in fantasy or you no, put that in sci-fi? No, it's sci-fi. I mean, you have hey, a right. they have a little that literally have created a device that's okay. carrying them from world to world. All right, you're right. We probably should have put that on our sci-fi list. TV was so hard for sci-fi, though, because there was so much. Yeah, it was. And Sliders is one of those that, yeah, it probably should have wound up on our TV list for sci-fi. But at the same time... Even though Sliders has a lot of very unique things, it's still derivative of some other things like Star yeah. Trek in a lot of ways. Or uh, Quantum, Quantum Leap. Well, Quantum Even. Leap wasn't on our list. but I know, but it was also derivative of Quantum Leap. Right. But basically, you're doing the traveling to different worlds and dealing with all these same type situations. Right. Just it's just different... that the world you're traveling to is just an alternate Earth. Right. Um, so... That's why it didn't wasn't one of my four. Now, yeah. if we had done what we did with this list, where we had said we can go up to twenty, right? It would have made then it. it would have made it on the list. Yeah. Um, but Land of the Lost yeah. is my entry. Um, so back to David. You know what? I'm going to do this next entry because I I have a suspicion that I'm the only one who would have this on my list. Um, so before I say it, I have to ask a question to the panel. Can you name a TV show based off of King Arthur? Merlin. Or that terrible... And is that the only one you can Camelot. Think of? They did right, Camelot. Camelot. That had like one season. It was bad, right? It was so bad. <laughs> I hated it. I think it. my dad actually loves that show. Right. What about What about you, Andrew? Can you think of any King Arthur show? I'm not off the top of my head, no. Which is why I actually would propose to the list we, we, uh, we put on Merlin. Like, like Marisha said. Uh, it, it's really the only... And this is surprising to me, and I wonder – I couldn't even find if any more have been made. It is the one of very, very few shows 
that has been made about Arthurian legend. And it's easily the most successful of the ones that were made. Mm -hmm. I believe it has like four or five seasons, not a whole lot of episodes in each season, like 10 to 12 episodes each season. Right. Um, It was pretty low budget. I actually have seen the whole show and I do enjoy the show a lot. Uh Uh, I think it's a pretty good show. It's um, it is about a young King Arthur and a young Merlin, young Guinevere. um, And it's sort of the origin story of that. And um, very low budget. Uh, Arthur literally wears the same three outfits the entire show. He does. Uh, because they couldn't afford anything else. Yeah. Um, but. I, hey, chainmail's expensive. Was, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. It was one of my first ever things I've seen about Arthurian legend whenever I watched it. I mean, other than like the sword and the stone. Like the mm-hmm. animated stuff, this was my first real introduction into learning about who is Guinevere, um, what is Camelot, uh, learning about the character of Merlin, uh-huh. um, uh, Lan- Lancelot. Um, that was my first real introduction. I'm sure it was for many people, probably. Mm-hmm. And I did really enjoy the storytelling in the show, and I enjoyed the characters and and um, um, seeing the developments there and. And it's easily the most successful King Arthur show that has been made. And King Arthur is such a big deal in fantasy by itself that I I think that Merlin belongs in the list just for being the only successful King Arthur show that has been made. And for probably introducing plenty – I mean it it introduced me to Arthurian legend. Right. It probably did plenty other people. Right. No, that's a that's that's definitely a a good entry. It, you know, it's one of those shows that I mean, it it ran, it was it was very popular when it was on. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it and, and I liked some of it. I liked some of it. I didn't. But as far as successfully doing Arthur Arthurian legends on TV, it's mm-hmm. really even just kind of glancing, just like pulling up all the series done about it. I mean, there are a few others. But they all look to have been pretty bad. Camelot. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why would you make Arthur such a whiny? Oh, yeah, that's the what? one I wouldn't watch because Arthur was so whiny, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I watched <laughs> one episode fun. and was like, nope, not watching that. Mm-hmm. Arthur's all <laughs> sleeping with somebody else's wife. It's like, no, you, like, miss the whole point of, like, the whole, like, like you, we've got honor and she... Yeah. Well, yeah, you missed the whole point of the uh, the once and future king here, mm-hmm. like, who he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Merlin's a great entry. Uh, Marisha, what have you got next? All right, next, um, let's see. Hmm, de-dum, de-dum, de-dum. I've got to decide what I'm going to go, what direction I'm going to go here. Hang on. All right. So there are a couple that I really have a hard time gauging how popular they actually were because I watched it, but I can't figure out how many other people watched it. That's always kind of my problem. Um, hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like, my list is running kind of thin here. Okay, so one that kind of came to mind um, that is, again, a pretty recent show, but seems to have had a, a ludicrous number of imitators in really short order was Once Upon a Time. You know, they did the, like, 
fairy tale soap opera thing and like the next year it's like everybody had a fairy tale soap opera thing going Mm -hmm. i mean like at one point there were like four of them on tv at one time um um some of them have been better than others uh once upon a time has really been hit and miss sometimes it's great and sometimes it's just abysmal but it was really successful you know pretty much up until that last season whenever all of its main actors decided to go do something else and they were like, we're going to keep doing it anyway. It wasn't a huge, it wasn't, they just really should have quit because they really did some weird theme. They really did some weird thematic things, but um, Robert Carlyle, that's his name, right? From uh, SGU. Yes. Yes. Robert. Um, as Rumblestiltskin was just phenomenal. He's like, He's my favorite thing about the show. In fact, I started watching the show initially because he had just been on a Stargate show that got canceled. And it's like, but now he's Rumble Stiltskin. And I was like, well, I'll watch that. Um, and he was he was phenomenal. Everything else on the show was kind of hit or miss as the as the series went on. But like I said, it has proven to be really influential in the number of it's like the, it started the rush of like let's recast fairy tales as soap operas, which I really feel that fairy tales are better not as soap operas. But it's really just become a. Th- I mean, you can't walk through a young adult uh, section without seeing fairy tale soap opera fiction like just crawling off the shelves. It's either that or vampires and werewolves. So I guess if I've got to choose one, I guess I'll go fairy tale soap operas. But, um. Here's a pitch for other more original things. <laughs> so there that how about that? That's my that's my begrudging selection. Yeah, um I had that on my list also and it's sort of in that same vein to me as something like Supernatural mm-hmm. um or like Buffy the Vampire Slayer where it's like it's sort of in that. It sort of feels that that same tone of fantasy, mm-hmm. which has such huge um, fan bases mm-hmm. that um, I have to that we have to put on the list because of how many people probably are like fantasy fans and don't even realize that they're fantasy fans, right? Because of that show. Yep. I think Andrew gave up on it whenever Hook was. Uh, turned out to be the the hero Peter and Pan Peter was Pan, the Pan was the bad guy. Like whenever Peter Pan was the bad guy, Andrew was yeah. done. He was like that. Spoiler That's alert: If you funny. hadn't seen up to like season three of Once Upon a Time, <laughs> Peter Pan's the bad guy. Yeah. One of the bad guys. That's funny because that's like the one episode. That's like the one arc of that show that I watched was all of that, mm-hmm. and I liked it because I'm like, oh man, look at Captain Hook. He's so cool and edgy. But also, I was like. 15 or whatever yeah so like you know the thing is is i didn't necessarily have a problem yeah i didn't necessarily have a problem with the hook character my problem was specifically with uh peter pan being the villain it's kind of it's the same such way that... a weird twist mm-hmm. of who that character is yeah yeah fair enough uh a- andrew doesn't really like his classic stories meddled with too much. He he really what you only did with the first season of Merlin, and you were like, I can't do Merlin and Arthur at the same time. He just couldn't even. 
That's fair. I, I mean, I, that's I mean, that's a problem I have with Merlin, to be honest. I watched a lot of that. My my real issue was it was kind of like, and and I and I didn't hate Smallville either, but it still irked me that like all of these people this in the Superman story are all growing up in the same town and are all friends <laughs> and you know, it's yeah, Clark it's very, Kent like, and Lex Luthor are buddies, but. You know, so having a young Merlin who's just learning about who he is, like, I really think it would be really interesting to do a Merlin show and set it hundreds of years or a thousand years before Arthur shows up. Mm -hmm. So, because he, because that's, that's, that's Merlin's whole thing is that he's been waiting Mm -hmm. for this, for this king. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was weird to me, but I did, and I watched more than the first season. I watched I watched most of Merlin. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I and there's a lot of it that I really do like. So I've got another one, and I wrestled back and forth, but I would be remiss if I didn't add a animated series because, as I talked about before, so much of the early television fantasy genre came in the form of animation and there were some series that were that are still considered to be some of the best animated series out there um gargoyles thundercats dungeons and dragons um i started to do dungeons and dragons and the only reason i'm not is because if i do it it's going to wind up on all four lists (laughs) well it won't wind up on the movie list but that dungeons and dragons tv show from the 80s was really a big deal Mm -hmm. but the one that i want to mention because for it was one of the most successful tv shows from the 80s in an era that really is the heyday of the saturday morning cartoon Mm -hmm. um when so many of you know things like Transformers and G.I. Joe and really all of the things that shaped a generation to love science fiction and fantasy storytelling, you had He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. The quintessential sword and sorcery series, it, it remains one of the most beloved series. It's, uh, it's got elements of the story of a superhero, a barbarian, uh, you know, it's 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 all of these things, kings and queens and castles and all of the elements of high fantasy. Mm-hmm. It might be one of the earliest examples of high fantasy on television. Skeleton Men, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> yep, and uh, and you're talking about a show that has spawned multiple spinoffs, including Shira. Uh, as well as other He-Man stories that have come and gone since. Live-action movie. That live-action movie is so bad. But um, <laughs> have you ever seen that? I have not seen that. With Dolph Lundgren? As Dolph Lundgren uh. as, uh, as He-Man. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, uh, ending up on our uh, pillars of, uh, of movie list. Yeah. So... They are actually, and it's it's one Netflix is working on on multiple He-Man projects right now, including a new animated series directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, I bet he was a big He-Man. And it's meant to be a in the day. And it's meant to be a. I think it's a movie, and it is meant to be a direct sequel to the original TV series. Hmm. Wow, that's that's kind of it's kind of nice to see. 
a sequel to to the original series as opposed to like we're doing it again. Um, as much as yeah. I love something like Voltron, it's it's kind of nice to see not replacing the the original well loved series. Even yeah. though like I didn't watch He Man because again we didn't watch those kinds yeah. of things in my house. And furthermore, it's it's you know I think I was a little young for it. It was a really more in the eighties, wasn't it? He Man. Yeah. Nineteen eighty three. Is when the series first appeared. Okay, so yeah. So I was, by the time I was born, I wasn't born until nineteen, the end of 1986. So it probably wasn't really still doing much by the time I was watching TV. No. This was really, I think this was one that, that again, my, my Uncle Kevin was really into. Probably. I mean, it was, it was, like I said, you know, in an era of really big, important TV series or animated television, mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest. It also has some interesting history. It's like a lot of shows of the era. It began as a toy. Right. Yeah. I was about to mention. Um, That show was a action figure commercial. Yeah. And a lot of them were. Like G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe was that. Transformers was that to some extent. And I mean, it carries forward all the way up to things like Power Rangers. Power Rangers were just used to sell merchandise. Yeah, uh, especially once you moved beyond the original Power Rangers series. This one actually, the toy had an interesting story where Mattel wanted to make Star Wars toys, but didn't want to pay the licensing fee, and started looking for things to compete. And this was one of the things they came up with. It actually, now that you say that, like, have you seen like the ridiculously buff Luke Skywalker action figure? Yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, it looks like like right, He Man yeah. is like a direct ripoff of like super yeah. buff Skeletor and Luke of Skywalker. Vader. That's hilarious. I never would have thought that necessarily, but yeah, now that now that you're saying that, that makes sense. Yeah, it is kind of those same archetypes, isn't it? And that's what I wanted to mention about He Man is like just the king of the archetype mm-hmm. right. of creating those archetypes like, like He-Man is. He is a, he is a walking, talking archetype. Yep. Um, barbarian, hero, strongman, d- can, do no, can do no wrong, destroyer of evil um, archetype. And, and it's influenced a lot of – I mean everybody knows He-Man. Everybody yeah. knows He-Man. Absolutely. So yeah, that, that's a big one, you know, whether it be the magic or the uh, – the ma- you know the magic that that turns him from Prince Adam into He Man or uh, Cringer the the pet tiger into Battle Cat <laughs> and you know it's just it it's cheesy and it's it's all that but it is pure sword and sorcery fantasy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and was and, and like I said you know one of the biggest animated shows ever yeah so that rounds out our four choices. Now, since we're down a person this week, that brings us up a little short and makes this one of our shorter lists that we've done. So if anybody has anything that they want to present to be considered considered for the list, we have room. Okay. And if nobody's got anything right up front, uh, I've got one I can throw out. You've got something, Sabrina David. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah. Yeah. Dude, what about Sabrina the Teenage Witch? That's that's his his uh, suggestion. Okay. Um, I'll throw that out. 
Yeah, I mean, but I'll leave that up to the room. Like the um, which like the '90s Melissa Joan Hart version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yes, yeah. That's the one. Like I, I know, like Andrew's reading. I know there were other iterations, but that's the one that seems like it really. That's whenever you started to see a lot of, um, those kinds of shows popping up. Like definitely, yeah. I think they're all kind of following the tradition of Bewitched. So I think like Bewitched yeah. is definitely kind of the uh, the ancestor. But all of a sudden, after Sabrina the Teenage Witch came out in the '90s, all of a sudden there were like a whole bunch of those kinds of shows. Right. Yeah. Which and which again, that, that, that's like my third one that I've thrown out that feels like Supernatural and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff like that. So I'm not like attached to it. I'm not like personally a fan of it. It's just when doing my research, it seemed to be very, very popular and, and loved mm-hmm. and influential. It was. And I guess it really boils down to figuring out how it relates to Bewitched. Yeah. Do we say that? Does it's just it do a- something different that once again pushed that? I think it just made it relevant again. Yeah. I think it just made it. And, and the- for that alone, I mean, you're, you're again, you're talking about, you know, prior to Bewitched, the whole idea of a witch was the long nose with the wart on it and the uh-huh. cauld- you know, the black cauldron and the black cat and right, flying yeah. on a broomstick. Right. Um, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so these shows really altered that whole concept. That narrative was different. Which, again, is I, I really feel like what changed the narrative enough that you can have a thing like Harry Potter. Yep. Um, and so for that alone, just the fact that these things are are some of the foundational things, for laid, the things that laid the groundwork to do Harry Potter so that you don't just throw Harry Potter out there and you go, everybody goes, aren't witches the bad guy? Right. Yeah, it kind of it's there. So there's some kind of things that kind of soften the ground up a little bit, right? Um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that was worth consideration. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, so I've got two things that I think are worth talking about, but okay. I can't decide. So one of them is Legend of the Seeker from um, 2008. It's kind of interesting. It's one that I feel like in a post-Game of Thrones world, it's one that I expect somebody to pick up and do in a big way. Um, the books have been really successful. They're like a bunch of them. But the show was really good. The show was, the graphics were really good. The acting was good. You know, the, the show was actually really good. And I think really it was mostly disputes with they were supposed to like there was talk about it moving to sci-fi but it just didn't after the second season um and so it just kind of fizzled and there was a big you know it was one there was a big crowd campaign to sort of like bring you know save our seeker there was a big save our seeker campaign you know back in in what 2005 or so so anyway that one's my um kind of one that was was on my list that, that might be worth consideration and the other one Again, that wasn't totally original, but sort of spawned a lot of imitators um, immediately and has can kind of continue to do so is Heroes, which um, was, I think, most succinctly described 
by Sheldon Cooper and uh, Big Bang Theory as, you know, it, it started off and was our favorite thing. And then by the time it ended, nobody cared. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it just like, man, when that show came out, um, let's see. And you would you would have been like you would have been a young teenager, right, David, when this came out? When did um, it come out? When did it come out? Two thousand six. No, you weren't. What are you? I would have been born? six. You would have been six. Okay, see, so you were little. You yeah. were too little for it. But I, I do remember watching my dad watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot when it came out. Um, it was like, I mean, everybody was talking about heroes, mm-hmm. and again, sort of in the same way that, um, you know, one of the shows I was talking about earlier. I don't remember which one. All of a sudden, there. Oh, once upon a time, all of a sudden there were a hundred imitators. Heroes. I mean, like the next year, it was like this year of the superhero ensemble. It the was superhero just, ensemble. That's like the, you know, not the traditional like Batman, Superman right. together, and it's like it's a little edgier and darker right and, and weird, and it just got weirder and less good the longer it went. Um, yeah. I've started to watch it, and my dad said, don't even bother, because it's just going to disappoint you. Now, I do have to say, I did like the revival, like the like 10-episode one-off revival that they did. Oh, yeah. Um, so it might be worth watching. Uh, you know, if I, if I were you, I would watch it until you just, it doesn't get better. Okay, like when the point where you get where you're just like, I'm tired of this, just stop. It doesn't get better. So the first season of it is really good. Yeah. And but when it when you watch the last when it gets to the very end, you're gonna go, but wait. You didn't you you didn't uh do you didn't answer, you didn't finish the quest. Mm-hmm. Like right. we set out with this thing that's the quest, that's the journey. Save the and you get to the end and you go but but how did how did you accomplish this uh, you know and and it yeah. and it goes into a tailspin from there and some mm-hmm. of and beyond there some of it's good and some of it's really bad um and it, it kind of got caught in some of the stuff that the CW programs mm-hmm. have an issue with where you kind of felt like you were rehashing stuff yep it was like, oh, now this character is tired of being a superhero and has angst. Oh, now this person <laughs> is tired of being a superhero and has angst. Yeah. Oh, now they decide they want and, to be a bad guy. Yeah. But they were always talking th- it out with each other. They're just going to like uh-huh. be edgy. And glare. And something that could be resolved in one episode. Like it's a, a three-minute conversation. Like you are all grown, daggum adults. Just take five minutes and say your words, and then let's move on. Um, so anyway, that was mm-hmm. one uh, that I think is worth consideration because, like I said, it sort of um, changed superhero TV there for a bit mm-hmm. um, and definitely had a lot of imitators um, and, and kind of still continues to. So anyway, like I said, we can vote on that. But those were the last two that I sort of had okay. that seemed worth considering. You know, I've kind of got a few other things, but the more I look at them, the more I think some of them were probably more influential in their movie forms. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one that I haven't mentioned yet, and it's it's in the animated category. And if I was doing one animated show, I would still pick He-Man. Uh-huh. But if I was going to do a second one, I would choose Dragon Ball Z. Hmm. Oh. Oh. 
Dragon Ball Z is a great fantasy story. It comes from a different place. It's easy to forget. You know, you don't think about it. It starts on Japanese TV in 1989. Uh -huh. It's a lot older than a lot of people think it is. Wow. And it was largely, it had a huge impact on American animation. Mm -hmm. It had a huge impact on bringing a lot of American TV watchers into the anime genre. Mm-hmm. And on its own, at least in the... I haven't watched anything beyond the original run, but in the original run is a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. I 100% support this, and I'm not even, I, I didn't even think about yeah. Dragon Ball Z. I think you're right, though. I think it definitely deserves to be there. Yes, please. I can tell you, like, and, and that's, that's a, you know, one of the uh, many great things about having me on this show is that I can tell you what, like, youngsters are thinking. Yeah. And us youngsters love that show. <laughs> um, it's, like, I, when I was in high school, still extremely popular. Still lots of people talking about it. Right. This show that Dragon came out when your not even, like, dad was five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, like, not even, like, oh, a bunch of losers. Like, like you know, cool people mm -hmm. like that show. <laughs> you know, it's a... Very yeah. popular show spawned lots of video games, lots of movies, lots of. Oh yeah, that's great. I love that. That's a, it's a fantastic story. It's a great use. You know, it's literally Superman, right? The origin right. is literally Superman, right? But it it, it 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 creates its own wonderful world that is so freaking awesome. And 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 you say like, oh, Superman, that's science fiction, come from another planet. But no, it's it's very fantasy. It's um, it's kind of Superman meets the Monkey King, which is yeah, you know Japanese. Oh, such um, a good. Have you seen? Um, oh shoot, Forbidden Kingdom. Oh, no. uh, Forbidden Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. That's what the name of that oh, movie is. Right? That's the right. one with with uh, Jackie okay. Chan and uh, Jet Li. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 and the kid from Sky High. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> there was a Monkey King cosplayer last time we went to Dragon Con, David. Yeah, this guy Unreal. was un freaking real. Awesome. Like I have seen a lot of cool looking stuff at Dragon Con. He was the coolest thing I have seen. He was like completely believable. Yeah, totally. Not related to the conversation we're having, but yes, you should get on the internet and find pictures of the the uh, Monkey King cosplayer from okay. Dragon Con because he was phenomenal. I will try. <laughs> all right, but yeah, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Dragon. Like I of all the things story. that we've kind of it's an epic epic adventure. Mm -hmm. Of all the things we kind of threw out there as a like consideration, I think that one does one that definitely deserves to be on the list, and the rest of them. I guess. I mean, like, how many... That would, if we added all of those, that would bring us to 16. Okay. Well, why don't we just keep them all then? And let, you know, David, David, did you have anything other than Sabrina? Uh, um, no, Which I'm fine really. with Sabrina on the list. I, I think that if we add these and round the list out at 16, I think it's a good list. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a couple other things, but it's just stuff that feels like another genre that we've already touched on you know right yeah like i i put american horror story i put charmed and it's, right. it's like mm -hmm. okay we, we, we we've covered that and yeah and conan the adventure yeah. was on my list i didn't actually ever see it but it just seemed like it was conan so it should you know 
mm-hmm. but I think it was probably really kind of riding on the success of He-Man at that point. Yeah. And Conan really, like, if you want to look at the success of Conan, you look at the original mm-hmm. books, yeah, then the comics, and then the movie. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah, like I, 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 whenever I was just reading on Conan, I'd never see the the TV show enter the conversation. So, anyway, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good list. I think, um, I mean, I think we all kind of like struggled to really and had to do some kind of deep dives to get there. But I think we came up with a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm very happy with it. And you know, I thought it was gonna be like a lot of stretching. And it's still kind of, it's like, you know, this list, and I compare it to, like, our, you know, novels list. Everything that ended up on the novels list is, like, the highest of the highest peak of right. fiction. Period, exactly. Right. right. Um, well, this stuff is like, oh, we got, like, supernatural. And, like, <laughs> stuff that, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff on here that's like, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. But when you look at it in the context of what is an influential fantasy show, I mean, this has got to be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I so. think we're I think we're right at the beginning of seeing the most what will be the most influential fantasy shows forty years from now. Absolutely, being made right now. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time to be a, a fantasy fan for sure. Yeah, and and five years, Witcher would be on this list. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so, yeah. And I think a couple of things that we have not seen yet, but we'll see in the next year, will also be on this list. Well, I mean, we got Lord of the Rings TV coming, and it's they're, they're really putting in the work. In a few years, Brave New World will probably be on this list. Foundation, I think, will probably, hopefully, be good enough to make this list at some right. point. Right, well, sci-fi, but... Okay. Well, Brave New World sci-fi, too. True. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> so at some point, though, I think because like dystopian futures is like its own really different kind of category. At some point, I think we may have to actually do like just like have an episode and just talk dystopian futures because it's it's so I mean, it you, seems like it's like a thing. But I mean, like Hunger Games and Brave New World and, um, you know, oh, what's, what's the video game with the real... Fallout? Fallout, yes. I mean, those are two really different dystopian features. You Um, you could literally do this whole thing that we've been doing and talk nothing but dystopian. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. The dystopian genre. Dystopian fiction. All right. But unless anybody's got anything else to add, that is going to wrap us up for tonight. I hope you enjoyed our Pillars of Fantasy in the TV category. Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me on princessesandpadawans.com. Uh, occasionally write a little bit at the sciencefictionary.com. You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans. And I'm P Padawans on Twitter. All right, David, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at stay underscore creative DD and on my YouTube page, Creative D&D, where I do podcasts, videos, all about nerdy stuff like we would talk about here. All right. And you can find me uh, running the Twitter account for 
this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show every week. That's Coruscant Radio Undergrounds, where we talk about all things Star Wars. You can find me on thesciencefictionary.com. And you can find this podcast. I don't know where you're listening to it now, but it's pretty much everywhere, including our YouTube channel, which has just been totally redone to make it easier to navigate. And coming very, very soon will be available on Pandora. Awesome. Other than that, you can find us as well as the rest of our Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com or at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, live long and prosper.